0: leadership confessions with phil rose
1: from clarity leadership welcome to the latest episode of leadership confessions with me phil rose as always with many of my guests i consider them to be friends before i do clients these days and and today's guest is no exception andy goldney of baxter andy and i have worked together for 15 years in fact, he, he did me the proud honour of presenting our first ever keynote event, which we held at Clarity in 2009 at the Cabinet War Rooms. Andy, thank you for that. And more recently, Andy and I have done battle with our fathers on the golf course, which I think, uh, Andy, me and my dad are, are ahead with you and your dad at the moment. Anyway, look, it's great to have Andy along. How are you today, sir? I'm
0: very good, Phil. Really, really big pleasure to be here. And I, I knew you'd mentioned the golf.
1: <laughs> so look, clearly you would introduce your role and what you do far better than me so just give everyone listening a brief overview of your role please
0: yeah sure i i sit as the vice president uh, for baxter healthcare i run uh, two of our, our global business units in western europe and so i'm responsible for the sales marketing and, and business development across the uh, western european markets so it's it's a budget of you know, eight nine hundred million
1: dollars and you've been at baxter for how long
0: so well, I almost hesitate when I when I say this. So I'm now I'm now the veteran that has been in the organisation for just over 30 years. Uh, so we, we I recently celebrated my 30 year anniversary. Came straight out of uh, university, having studied pharmacy, uh, and immediately went into the organisation. So yeah, just just over 30 years, believe it or not.
1: And and how's that been working? Because there won't be many people listening that have worked for one organisation for for over 30 years. How's that been?
0: It's interesting because it was, it was never a plan. It was never a plan to be a, a one-man, a one one-company person. Uh, and, I, and I would kind of say it's almost been 15, 15 series of two-year sprints um, or 10, 10 series of three-year sprints. And uh, so it's, it's felt so different. It's so diverse as an organisation. We go across pharmaceuticals and uh, devices and services in healthcare across multiple markets. So I, I've always felt refreshed, renewed and, and invigorated.
1: Excellent. So, look, this, as you know, this podcast is called Leadership Confessions, and 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 because of our relationship, I'm trying to dig a, a little deeper than than perhaps many many interviews. I guess kick off with what what significant events in your life have shaped who you've become? Do you think?
0: Sure, and I'm look, I'm I'm happy to share as, as many uh, realistic confessions as I can on the journey. Uh, <laughs> look, I'd, I'd characterize it as um, I I grew up one of three brothers. Um, and I was the middle. Uh, my mother and father were both teachers. Um, immensely happy childhood. Uh, long holidays over the summer, six weeks in caravans all all over Europe. Um, I, I, I remember the, uh, the, the 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 sport on the beaches. I remember the family meals together, and uh, I remember so many conversations, Phil, about when they were teachers around, how they were kind of talking about kids in the classes or conversations about developing people or helping people through, through difficult times that were pupils, going above and beyond the day job and, and doing night classes with them. So when I look back, it, it's not surprising that that became a passion for me. But, uh, but having two brothers, definitely being very competitive, definitely having to eat fast to make sure that the food on the plate was left for me and, uh, <laughs> and those types of things. But a uh, very happy childhood.
1: Okay. And then what do you think shaped, what have been the big events that shaped your leadership style?
0: A lot for me was the the leader that I uh, the, the journey and I guess for me the the thought process for me was I, I didn't I define leadership so differently to how I would define it when I was starting out in my career um, uh, le- leadership for, there was almost leadership equals seniority um, and what I came to came to realise whether you're just an individual contributor and, and making a difference you know, self leadership team leadership corporate leadership cultural leadership. The, the list goes on they're all as important as each other but I think I think for me my love of people my genuine love of people really helped me I, I I've always had roles uh, involving team management and and that's the, the if you like the consistent thread that I built my career on.
1: So if you were to to look back on in in your journey and you go right these these leaders inspired me would they be you know public any public figures or you know figures that you you've learned from who have they been and what it has it what has it been about those people that have inspired you
0: yeah sure um i'll give you a few different examples um so look, i'll give you some public figures of people that have inspired me so i just read a book actually um and it's a by a guy called reed hastings um, who founded netflix 50 well 15 years ago whatever it was 16 years ago yeah. uh, the book's no rules rules but yeah. for somebody that uh For somebody that kind of ripped up the rule book um and and talks about kind of talent density and this kind of culture of candor and um you know the the removal of controls and the 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 empowerment of individuals that really resonated with a lot of the things that i've i've learned on my journey so i I found that inspirational um i'll give you another example uh and you'll probably laugh i actually i was watching sports personality of the year last night and uh Simone Biles is an inspiration in so many ways. I wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but just in terms of, I mean, she's 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 four foot eight. She's twenty four. She's won so many medals. She's been through so many things. She's spoken up when things that were wrong. It took courage to speak up. She's mm-hmm. she's talked about mental health and mental well being. You know, twenty four. That's quite a lot of things that you've got to admire about somebody. So so there's somebody completely different there that I just thought, wow, that there's there's a strong uh, a strong leader in so many ways.
1: Yeah, and I, and I guess that points to leadership is is about who you are. It's not about a position or a title. It's about how no. you role model yourself. And, and and she's a great example there. I love that. What, what do you think then has been your biggest challenge as a leader? I,
0: I'm not sure it's my biggest challenge, but it took me a while to realize the size of the impact that I could have on other people. I always remember somebody in, back in the days when we used to be in offices and we used to all be... St- Seeing each other and, and, and working together, uh, one of my first general management jobs, somebody said to me, you haven't walked on our floor for the last two weeks. And like, that was a wow. Um, and, and, and they were right. <laughs> but I never realised that people knew that or watched that. And, and it was a realisation of the impact you can have through your behaviours, through what you say, through what you don't say. Um, and when you actually start to harness that, then then it can be, a, it, it can be extremely, extremely powerful. So it, it, it wasn't a challenge, but it was a realization. Um, I'll give you probably the biggest challenge I've had is on my journey, I've always been, on the emotional journey, I've always had high and celebrated things with happiness. And when, when I've been sad or angry um, or emotional about something that the lows, I, I've become a little bit what I call emotionally dubbed. And I know you're gonna ask me, what do you mean by that, Andy? What I mean by that is, there's less boundaries between the out-and-out out happiness and the, 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 if you like, the unhappiness around things that are frustrating or awkward. I, I've had to kind of re- refine my leadership style within within more boundaries. And I'm not I'm not sure if that's right or wrong, Phil, but I, I don't want to be the over-emotional leader or the under-emotional leader. I want to be somewhere in the middle. But uh, I've protected myself, I think, uh, from a few things just by just Tailoring my response a bit, being a little bit less instinctive, being a little bit less reactive when the situation demands it.
1: And so, how would you describe your leadership style? You know, if I if I got your team together, what would they say? You, you know, if they four or five bullet points, Andy's leadership style. How would they describe it?
0: Okay, so I'll give you some some obvious ones. For me, they they always describe me as I, I ask a lot of questions and. What I've done more of recently is, is try to hold back from my view on the answers. So good questions um, on a regular basis. allowing people to to flourish without micromanagement, um, set set the boundaries, um, set the overall objective and and then let people get on with it, okay? Taking risks on talent early. Uh, people did it with me. I, I, I certainly didn't tick all the boxes for every job that I ever received or or was lucky enough to go into. But taking a risk, uh, trusting a kind of an instinct on talent um, and allowing my people to do the same thing. I look for kind of the uh, the diversity in leaders, not not so much in cl- the diversity as we think around, kind of whether it's gender or ethnicity or sexuality, the, the diversity of thought, uh, so cognitive diversity more than anything else. I've become very interested and very convinced that the best teams have really figured this out. And, and I look for people in my teams that, that understand that emotionally intelligent way of looking at things um, and surround themselves by people who are different.
1: So, you know, you're painting a very strong picture there, which is great. When, when you reflect back on your, your 30 years, what would you say, you know, the biggest mistakes that you've made and, and, and what have you learned from them?
0: Yeah, and and look, everybody will always say um, that they've made a number of mistakes. Well, anybody that's kind of got any remote self-awareness would say, so let me pick a couple. Um, I I knew very early on that I was uh, more on the innovative and risk-taking style. So a, a couple of examples where we... I've always wanted to buy new organisations. Every job I've done, whether it's local acquisition, European acquisition or global acquisition, be involved in that. Um, probably we've done it 10 times. Eight of them have been been real successes. Two of them, um, I got wrong. Um, I was too emotionally involved early on. Um, I thought I knew the answer before we'd done the correct due diligence, before we'd assembled the right team with that diversity of kind of approach um, to challenge me. So uh, look, being you can be too innovative and too risk-taking sometimes Um, You're never going to get them all right, but maybe I could have done a better job um, in in those. Um, I'd also say I was, when I started out, I needed to be liked too much. Uh, I needed to be, um, it was affiliative style rather than a commanding respect. So one thing you realise when you scale is that as you scale up, you need to keep your authenticity. But how do you? how do you make sure that um you've got a, a technique and a style that is scalable and that's that's an interesting journey to go on when teams become tens and then hundreds and, and in some cases thousands across multiple cultures um, and learning that cultural sensitivity was a, a, a big one as well on the journey
1: and how have you found sort of leading in the pandemic because clearly you are someone that you know is in infectious and energetic and you know and and you know you, you your your enthusiasm is in, is infectious i mean um, yeah. um but so how have you how have you coped with that during the pandemic uh, it's it's been tough
0: all right and and, and look for me the, the the style i have and everything i know about myself when you do these psychometric tests is i get energy from people and i give energy to people the extrovert side of me comes out strongly so this this 2d versus 3d um I, I don't like okay some people say they like it and I've got absolute respect for that I, I need to be with people one of the one of the things that I try to do more of is is spontaneous um, teams meetings one on one I try to build in items into my uh, team agendas that allow people to get to know each other as they would over a beer or over dinner or over the coffee chat so um, putting in exercises that, that give us a chance to get to know each other but also have fun, but it's not the same. I'm never going to be able to claim it's the same. Uh, there are some things I don't miss from the pandemic: the, the volume of travel, uh, the time zones, the exhaustion, mm-hmm. uh, those things. But I massively miss the interaction with people.
1: So, so I guess leading on from that, then how how do you overcome you know either whether it's professionally or personally, how have you overcome your biggest setbacks? I've learned to do a little bit more introspection
0: um, and, and self reflection that's helped me i've i've learned to be able to to maybe stop and 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 then use what i would call a very strong core network of of people inside my organization outside my organization um family really to kind of to to, to give you that feedback that you need to hear to give you that perspective that you need to hear and then combining that uh i mean look personally we've all been through different challenges uh whether it's bereavement i lost my mother um over 20 years ago now and, and it was the toughest thing personally i ever went through went through but i i, I tell you what happened i went to my boss and said i need some time um he said how long do you need i said i don't know and i took three weeks off um and he never asked me a single question during that three weeks other than how was i yeah. and that type of thing when you go back to why am i in an organization for for that length of time but seeing leaders like that who you can never really pay back uh, that that type of support. Um, it kind of, that, that was something that I put into my toolkit when other people go through whatever those personal challenges are, being there for them, uh, ripping up the rule but ripping up the policy, and just making sure you've got that human leadership style. Um, that's the type of thing that I've kind of really reflected on um, during the journey.
1: It's interesting that, you know, that story of giving that time just to, to have the space. And, and I hear that more often Around actually loyalty to companies can often be based on acts of kindness like that, and it's the right thing to do. But when you sort of say you can't pay it back, I'm sure you have paid it back in in, <laughs> in the you know in in the, in the work that you've done over the last uh, twenty odd years since. What, yeah, but what, I, sorry, Phil, on. I just want one more thing on that. I mean, look, there's it, it, the classic debate at the moment that
0: everybody out there that that, that is listening to this will be having it around flexible working and and hybrid working, all right? And what's the policy, and how do we write this, and what? There is, there, to me, there is no policy around flexible working that that, that is going to meet everybody's need. Mm-hmm. This is about humanistic, individualised leadership, understanding your people, understanding the circumstances, understanding the motivators, and adapting in order to get the best out of those people, the best for the organisation, and find a way forward. I, it drives me crazy when somebody says, "What page is that that policy
1: point on?" <laughs> And and do you think that can scale? Because you talked about sometimes leading tens, hundreds, and, and now thousands of people. Is that individual approach,
0: can that scale? Look, it's interesting. I think it can scale. Uh, one of the things I've learned, the harder time is when you go cross-country, because there are different rules, regulation, works, councils, <laughs> things that you need to be much more aware of once you get outside of the UK. So what I think can scale is the, infection, in, I guess the infectiousness of good leadership, caring leadership, and what you would call modeling the way um, and, and people take 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 that example take that energy and and multiply it so yes i think it can scale do
1: you need some guidances do you need to be culturally aware yes you need those things as well okay sw- switching tack a little bit for you we, you talk about athletes and we talk about athletes being in you know in the flow when are you at your best what processes or what things have you put in place to ensure that you rock up and your and your very best every day
0: yeah, there's a few things and there's a few obvious things and i've listened to, to some of your podcasts So the sleep diet exercise um formula yes all, all three huge ticks so i'm at my best when i'm sleeping well when i'm eating well and when i'm exercising well um there is absolutely no about no doubt about that i'm also at my best when um i i call it when when i'm in flow and when i'm in flow i know that we're doing good things. I like working in healthcare. I, I, I like the purpose. I like the things that will spill over into most people's jobs around sustainability, around inclusion and diversity, around generative leadership. Um, I like winning, um, but I like winning well. Um, and what I mean by that is I've never believed in winning at all costs. Um, I don't like losing, but if it's been a, a if if, if it, it's been a good whatever the example is. If it's fair, if it if it's clear, um, I, I'm okay with it. I'll always fight to win, but I got to win well and and win the right way. Um, I won't compromise values in yeah, not just professionally but personally um, in, in order to uh, do some, something that I don't believe in. Um, I've never been asked to do that professionally. I wouldn't do it professionally. Um, I'd walk before putting myself through that situation. So it doesn't mean I've agreed with every decision that my organization has ever taken because I haven't but I've been able to rationalize the decision, that's very different uh, mm. to overstepping the values equation.
1: So what does rattle your cage then? What, what makes your blood boil apart from missing a three foot pack? <laughs> Do you know what the thing that still makes my, my blood boil? Well, I'll give you a
0: few. Um, losing talent from the organization still drives me crazy. Yeah. It, look, we've, got, we've gained far more talent, but I actually take losing talent uh, more personally than losing business. Um, and so that, that, that tells me something um indifference uh backstabbing <laughs> corporate addicts of jargon people that have the corporate warriors that have been enrolled with big titles but don't actually do anything they don't put themselves <laughs> out there um and so i i i kind of rebel against that um my dad's once said to me he said avoid criticism do nothing say nothing be, be nothing uh, and it's always it's always stuck with me so i'd rather be criticized for trying to make great changes and innovate than trying to survive in an organization What, what what's the point so that that drives me absolutely crazy,
1: and and how does that manifest itself? How does Andy Goldney show up? In
0: <laughs> in those scenarios, um, I, I will be demanding. Um, I talk a lot about constructive tension, constructive friction, whatever people um, articulate it as. But um, I will push those questions. I, I will if people aren't showing up in meetings and it's difficult again on two D versus face to face meetings. Um, I will bring them in. If they don't want to have the cameras on, well, that's okay. I can live with that. I don't like it, but I've got to make sure that they're listening. So be aware if you haven't got your camera on, you're going to be involved, you're going to be questioned, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be asked your opinion. Um, and, And so trying to constructively engage those people to drive out opinion. And accountability that's another big thing for me phil i you and i have talked about this but Mm. people that don't have an accountability every presentation i've ever done for 30 years has involved the word accountability and every time i talk about the oz principle and every time i talk about a personal decision to rise above (laughs) the circumstances to take the action to deliver the required results um so it that's a big big thing um because there's a lot of people that I've seen that are good at strategy, uh, but just forget the absolutely critical phase of execution. Um, And that annoys me as well.
1: So what's on your personal development plan? What are you working on uh, for yourself at the moment? Interesting question. I I always
0: anybody that's worked for me, I always say, what's your three? This is my way of saying, what's your three? And if they can't say the three development actions that they've got, in the next 30 seconds then i've done something wrong and they've done something wrong all right so mine are celebrate the wins be a bit less relent- relentless um yeah. i've had feedback that i can just move on so celebrate wins more um listen and watch um more than uh talking and choosing passionate debates and battles and when to back out um and the last one was very interesting for me i was giving way too much energy um uh, being passionate about everything um and i realized that Okay, I might be, but I've got to choose which ones I can really make a difference on and move the needle on. And the more senior roles you get, the more you have to check yourself on that because you can lose a lot of energy on very small things.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you do a lot of coaching uh, and mentoring for aspiring leaders at Baxter. There'll be many people who are aspiring leaders listening to this podcast. What what advice would you share with with those?
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I did. So first one for me was always stay true to your values, never compromise. Um, I always look for I have this equation of attitude versus aptitude when I'm interviewing, um, I look I look for attitude first um, and then move to kind of aptitude um, and energy management would be a big one. Um, I remember 25 years ago sitting with a, the CEO of a hospital um, where, where I worked and he I said to him, what's your biggest challenge um, over the next 25 years? And he said, burnout. Like, this is 25 years ago. I didn't even know what that was or what that meant Mm -hmm. or whether that could ever possibly happen to somebody that goes through a career. Um, And it has. It's happened to many different people. I had a wobble this year, which I talk about very openly to my team in the organisation and other people that I'm mentoring or sponsoring because I think it's really, really important. And it's a duty of us as leaders to try and help people through um, the, the different challenges, the different workloads, the different stresses. Uh, both personal and professional, that are, that are going to come. So I talk a lot um, about that. And, uh, and then feedback loops, um, making sure that you stay connected with people in the organisation um, at all levels. And the critical part is at all levels. So I always try and remember what it was like to be a salesperson in front of customers or a marketer launching a new product or a business development person doing an acquisition, because I want to make sure that I'm the leader that supports them and un- empathises with their role Um, And too many times I see people just become very internally focused and
1: forget what's truly important, which is Mm. kind of what do our customers want? Mm. Off the bat, you said about stay true to your values, but I guess for some of the aspiring leaders, how do they know what their values are? How did you find out what what yours were and and when did that sort of realisation come? Um, It it came back
0: to uh, being right back from childhood, Phil. I I think a lot of it was formed uh, then. And and look, everybody will say similar types of things uh, around value. But the key ones for me are trust and integrity. Um, For me, you have my trust until you prove me otherwise. That's my style. Not everybody is the same as that. But if you lose it and you've lost it because you've not shown integrity, you will never regain my trust, or, and and that that I but I you've always got it until you lose it, and so that is a critical critical one for me, and and actually it's not I'm not sure it's a value Phil, and you, we we can discuss it, but actually having having interests um, what I call dimensionality now it's a new word that I read the other week, but it's about having interests outside of your corporate life. What are the dimensions that you show? Uh, you know, what, what 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 clubs are you in? What passions have you got? What charities do you support? What do you believe in? What are your views on politics? You know, these types of things. I like people that have kind of got the rounded life out, outside the organisation that they work for, because my experience is that those are the more successful people in the organisation as well. So what are yours? Outside of work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, for me, outside of work, I, I um, it's simplicity. I, I I when you travel a lot and you eat a lot of nice food away and, and you're with people. so I like simplicity. I like I like reading, I like podcasts. Um, I like good films. Do you know what I like? I don't know if you know about this about me, but I actually like trash TV. I find nothing better after a really stressful day. And there is a theme to these. So something like I'm a celebrity or Gogglebox, goggle box. Anything that's got people. I know it's a bit embarrassing saying it saying it out loud, Phil, but, yeah, no, but that type of stuff um, that's got human interaction, bit of fun, a uh, bit of comedy value, people not taking themselves too seriously. Love all that, and then and then holidays. Um, and everybody says holidays, but I, I like holidays. Um, once a year, I go to a nice exotic island with no cars, no money on it because it's prepaid, um, very few people, a gym, a nice bar, um, and the sunshine. And and that is like therapy for me because it yeah. just completely resets me. Um, there's, there's water sports you can do, so I, I've realized how important whatever the break is that that person wants, go and walk up a mountain, go and I don't know, whatever it is, find it and do it regularly and, and be a bit selfish about it. That's another key point. We don't like the word selfish. I spent a long time being too selfless and uh, not being quite selfish enough. And, and it's okay to be selfish if you understand what you're about
1: well i guess also that's looking after yourself so you can be the best yeah. person at work is or you know the best person in your life that's yeah uh, and i and i get the i get you understand what don't necessarily want to use that word selfish but if you sort of talk about actually it's looking after yourself yeah i um, know never
0: uh, more important than the last two years phil because when i set out on this two-year journey in covid i was the person that wanted to be there to support everybody else and i my half an hour at dinner that i'd put in the diary became a one-to-one with somebody that was struggling. And my half an hour after work, when I was going for a walk, became a one-to-one with somebody that Mm. was struggling and that's fine. But what I hadn't realized is how much energy it can take out of you. And and where does your energy come from? That's another great question. Where does your energy come from? I call it oxygen. Where does your oxygen come from? My team will laugh when they hear this, but, but just identifying what it is and how it comes is really, really important.
1: And, and so where, you know, you've alluded to it, where's your, where does your oxygen come from then?
0: Do you know what? It, it does come more, more and more. It comes from, um, it comes from sponsoring um, early career professionals. I love doing that. It comes from pioneering and pushing inclusion and diversity initiatives. And it comes from outside work. Uh, just going for the, the biggest reset that I ever get will be exercise and, and a run takes me to a place that nothing else can.
1: What, what advice would you give to a younger Andy Goldney starting out again?
0: Whoa! Um, maybe that well-being and high performance um, go hand in hand. I used to I used to think that if you were prioritising your well-being, or you were you were not working some of the hours, or you were leaving things that you know needed doing, but you just didn't have the energy to do. I, I used to see that as a failure. I used to push myself probably too hard. I'm, I'm, it's a cliche, but when you're younger, in your twenties, thirties, maybe forties. Um, you can get up at four o'clock in the morning and you can get home at 11 o'clock at night and you can go and do it the same again the next day as, as you get older with more responsibility and, and more things uh, and, and less slightly less energy in those respects i think that is a reality um understanding and pacing and if you have a week like that knowing that the week after maybe you need to build something into your schedule that gives you something back
1: um that that's a big one for me okay and lastly before we get on to sort of some quick fire questions what what does the future hold for you hopefully kind
0: of we're right in the middle you probably just sort of the immediate future is we've just put a massive integration in place we bought an external organization of ten thousand people we're looking at all the synergies involved in that but bigger than that more importantly um it involved it definitely involves giving giving more back uh, there was a tipping point for me where i characterize it as my other people's careers became slightly more important than my own and that, that was a tipping point i i want to make sure that i give those people the chance To develop wherever they are in the organization i also want to do a lot more around um, charity work and non-exec work um, startups um, those types of areas it'll be no surprise go right back to where i started my childhood and the things that i learned those are the things that i know give me energy give me joy um, and when it's no longer about finances those are the things i'm going to do more of
1: okay excellent thank you so a few quick fire questions you might have heard some of these before what's your what's your guilty pleasure (laughs) <laughs> um, there's two actually the, the easy one is domino's pepperoni passion
0: extra tomato sauce that that is just just but i'm going to give you another one phil because this is what we in the north would call a taste sensation you get two bits of toast you put marmite on it then you put philadelphia cheese sandwich spread and then if you know Sahine's sandwich, sandwich spread, spread it's like a, you put it all together beef pringles crack it all together best sandwich <laughs> that you will ever have Best sandwich.
1: That was Marmite. Did you say Philadelphia and sandwich spread? Philadelphia
0: cheese and sandwich spread. I'll make you one next time I see you. Perfect.
1: Please don't. Um, (laughs) one, (laughs) One thing you'd put in room 101
0: oh man um, i go into a garage or a shed and i put all diy tools into in into the into the whatever it is the, the the room 101 that destroys it because one i am useless at diy as my wife will testify it costs me a fortune and i hate it
1: Yes, I'm with you on that. Well, that was, that was my next. That was my next question. What are you hopeless at?
0: Definitely that one. But gardening's up there as well. If I can, if anybody can kill a plant, give it to me. I tell you. <laughs> and then, lastly, what makes you smile? People, people make me smile, and the energy people that give me energy make, 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 generally make me smile. Yeah, I, I, it's as simple as that. People and um, genuine caring for other people. That that is what it's all about.
1: Andy thank you look working with you over the last 15 years and, and calling you a friend over the last 15 years has been uh, fantastic for me I, I remember that time we were having that Christmas drink and you sort of said "Look, you'd got this four ball at the Belfry and, and you sort of said look one, you get your dad and I'll get my dad and the four of us will play together and that was that meant so much to me sir thank you yeah. and we had a, we've had a cracking couple of matches with uh, with our fathers and uh, mate thank you for coming on the podcast it's been brilliant thank you for inviting me I've appreciated it
0: Leadership Confessions from Clarity Leadership.
1: Email hello at clarityleadership.co.uk and subscribe to receive every episode as it's released.